Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Hey, good morning, Revo South Fork Campus. I'm so glad to be here with y'all this morning. I also want to give a special shout out to the online campus. And I just want to say, I think it's really cool that Revo invests in opportunities for people to engage in worship with a body of people, even when they can't be physically with us. But if you don't know who I am, my name is Michael. I'm the student ministry pastor here at Revo. And uh, I am just so over the moon to just be with y'all today. I travel kind of campus to campus campus on Sunday mornings, and so I get to be with y'all today, and I'm really stoked because I get to begin our brand new teaching series called The Goat. Now, this concept really resonated with me, so I'm pumped to be here talking about it, Uh, but, but time out. Quick, quick sidebar, because if you're wondering, like you watch that video and you hear me say the word goat, and you're like, why are we doing a series about goats and farm animals? Like, I just need to clear something up for you. That's not what's going on. I know there was going to be at least one in the room. Uh, what I mean when I say the word goat, what we're going to be talking about over and over again over the next couple weeks is actually, it's an acronym for the greatest of all time. And, and when I think about the concept of the greatest of all time, of the goat, my mind immediately goes to one thing. See, I was born in Massachusetts. I was raised, you know, you already know it. I was raised a New England Patriots fan. So that means like for me, m- my opinion on the thing, and I don't even know if it's an opinion, I think it's more of a fact, is that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback to ever play the game of football. But, but, but here's the thing. I'm getting some booze. I get it. But, uh, wow, that's the first time. But to spare you a 35 minute message and presentation and dissertation on why I believe Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback to ever play football, let's just talk about something, maybe another category that we're all more familiar with. Let's talk about food for a second this morning. Uh, like regardless of, of what kind of diet you're on, what kind of lifestyle you live, we all have a favorite food. And so I said the word greatest of all time and food in the same sentence. And I know your mind is already going to what your favorite thing is. So before we get into to what my favorite food is, I need to give you a, a little backstory. So, so here's the thing. I, I'm a youth pastor. All right, and so when being a youth pastor, sometimes it feels like there's a certain pressure, um, a certain expectation that you have to like fit in with the student, not fit in, but like relate to the students you're talking to. So like I have to be aware of like social media trends and I've got to like understand the words they're saying. And even sometimes it feels like I have to eat the part. And so if you, if you know where I'm going, like my favorite food, the food that I think is the greatest of all time, it's pizza. Like it just is. Um, both my wife and I have always loved pizza to the point where like when, when I got down on one knee and proposed to her, she said yes, thankfully, and we went and got pizza afterwards. Like that's what she wanted to do. That was the thing. When we go on vacation and we go out of town, like the first local restaurant we're trying, hands down every single time, it, it's pizza. 
But, but here's the thing about pizza though, right? There are so many different varieties, different combinations of it, but there's only one kind of pizza that stands out as the goat. You ready for it? It's cheese pizza. It's not crazy. It's not crazy. Nothing, nothing complicated. But, but, but there are so many, don't hear what I'm not saying. There's so many other delicious combos. You've got like pepperoni, meat lovers. We've got like some stuffed crust people in the house. You've got Hawaiian pizza, like pineapple or no pineapple. I think it's good all the same. Bacon pizza. But, but here's the thing. The true greatest of all time in the pizza category, it's cheese pizza. And I have a clear reason for this that will not only help us understand why cheese pizza is the greatest of all time, but I also think it will help us understand why the passage of scripture we're going to dive into together this morning is one of the greatest of all time as well. So cheese pizza is the goat for a simple reason. It's foundational to what pizza is. It's crust, it's sauce, And it's cheese. Nothing else, nothing more. That's what it is. It's what all other pizzas are based on. You can't have a pepperoni pizza without first making a cheese pizza. You can't have a Hawaiian pizza without first making a cheese pizza. You need the base of the cheese pizza to set the tone for everything else. You just need it. And so to shift gears a bit, this morning we're going to look at a passage of scripture that is absolutely foundational to our understanding and the nature of our relationship with Jesus. And so we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll start in verse 17, but it's my prayer this morning that as we go through this text, that you would walk away from this message and know that God sees you as new and as an essential part of his mission on this earth. See, this passage tells us who we are in Christ And it gives us a foundation to build our faith upon. Let me pray for us and then we'll get into it. God, I'm so thankful for the chance that that I have to be here this morning and and to just dive into your word. And, And God, sometimes we just live such busy lives. We go from one thing to the next. And so I'm just thankful for this, these next few moments we're gonna have to just sit and to just listen to your word. And God, it's my prayer that each person in the room today would be impacted by what you have to say through 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Speak through me. It's in your name I pray. Amen. All right, so let's read the text together. 2 Corinthians 5, we'll start in 17. And if you have your Bibles on, you can open up there, Bible apps, whatever. But the text will also just be right behind me on the screen if you want to follow along. It says this. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. The first point this morning that I want to jump into, it's really a definition of who we are as Christ followers. It's that we are a new creation. Have y'all ever tried to like learn maybe a new subject or a new concept? Maybe try to pick up a new hobby during COVID or something like that. But, but sometimes like when we're learning something new, we're tackling something new, or maybe you're just trying to refresh yourself with something old, it's really helpful to just define some terms. And I think that's exactly what Paul is doing here in verse 17. Paul is saying um, like, 
just describing the way that God sees us as his followers. God is describing us and defining us as a new creation. See, Paul is basically saying to the Corinthian church, if you follow Jesus, if you believe in God, if you understand that you have been saved from your sins through faith in the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, you have been made new. The old you does not exist. Like literally, that's exactly what Paul is saying. And so many times, I feel like as Christ followers, we can get this wrong. It can be so hard to comprehend um, just the fact that we are, are made new. I want, and I want to challenge us this morning because I think sometimes the way we speak about ourselves, the way that we think about ourselves can be damaging to our faith and to our relationship with God. So I want us to be honest. We can be family in the room today, but who here has ever said this phrase? I am just a sinner saved by grace. Who's been there? I've said that many times in my life before. I've used that to define me countless times. And I think it's phrases and it's mindsets like this that can be damaging to our faith for two reasons. And the first reason is simple. It's that we're just defining ourselves improperly. And what I mean by this, it's simple. We seem to think as though we still have pieces of our old self like stuck inside of us. And after we've become followers of Christ by surrendering our lives to him and accepting the free gift of salvation that he's given to us, we still feel as though we're just the same old person as before. Even though the Bible makes it clear over and over again that Christ's love and Christ's sacrifice for us has wiped our slate clean. It's made us new. And the second half of verse 17 even says that. It says, the old life is gone. A new life has begun. See, this mindset is damaging to us because we're inaccurately defining ourselves. And this damages the way that we view our lives and the way that we view our relationship with Jesus. It might cause us to still feel guilt for things that we've done in the past that Christ has already forgiven you for. It it might cause you to feel shame for things you've done in the past that Christ has wiped clean. It might even cause you to like slip up and mess up and make a mistake and still just feel like you are that dirty, rotten, no good, undeserving sinner that you once were. And that's partially true, but here's where we need to make an important distinction this morning. Hear me on this. We used to be dirty, rotten, no good, undeserving sinners. But through experiencing salvation in Christ, we have been made new. Not like slightly renovated, not like if you're doing a home project and like you buy an old house and you probably should just tear it down, but you decide not to. So what, you like, you throw a coat of paint on it and it makes things look a little nicer. And then you're like, man, you know what? These carpets are, they're a little dingy. So you you change them out and put new ones in and the landscaping's a mess. So you just like, you know, clean it up, put bushes, mow the lawn, do the, I used to love doing the edging work. It's just so satisfying. But, but that's not what, what Paul is saying here. He's saying, look, through Christ, you have been totally and completely made new from the ground up. Like the old you does not exist anymore. 
The new is the only thing that's left. And so you are not a sinner saved by grace. You're not. You were a sinner saved by grace. But now in this passage, Paul is saying that if you're in Christ, you are a new creation. That is who you are. That is how God defines you. That is how God sees you. And we have to define ourselves that way. And here's why. It's the second reason why these kind of phrases, this kind of thinking can just be damaging and harmful for us. It's that we're lowering the standards that God set ahead of us, right? Like by falsely defining ourselves and not viewing ourselves the way that Christ has redefined us, we're bringing the bar of expectation way down. Like, it, like if you mess up, it's just so much easier to be like, oh man, like, God, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have done that. I know, but after all, I'm just a sinner. Like, that's all I am is just a, a, just a dirty sinner. Like, I'm sorry, God. No, it, what that's doing is it's producing a low standard for the way that we live our lives. And that's harmful because God gave us a higher standard of living, a higher calling, a higher title, a higher definition, not to frustrate you, not to make you feel like you can never live up to it, but rather to show us how highly he thinks of us, how highly he loves you, how highly he values you. And this is God saying, look, I'm putting to death the old way of living for you. And I'm inviting you into something better, something more fulfilling, something that's deeper, a way of living that's just going to continue to draw you closer to me. And when we still view ourselves as sinners, sometimes it's our way of just not wanting to put down our old lifestyle, our old behaviors, our old desires, the things we used to love doing. And it's choosing to ignore what God says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I think that's just a temptation for all of us in the room to want to lower the bar, to want to misrepresent who God says we actually are. See, I think that surrendering to Christ's definition of who you are can help you discover true freedom that you can pursue. And it can help you to begin to strive towards just the higher way of life, the higher calling that God's placed upon you by calling you a new creation. But here's the thing. Here's what I'm thankful for. This passage doesn't just end with God's definition of us. It's not just one verse. I think sometimes as pastors and teachers, we can get up on stage and we can read a verse and we can give you like a new factoid or like a new piece of truth or something encouraging. And we can just say, here you go. Like, just do what you want with this. But Paul doesn't do that here in 2 Corinthians 5. Paul continues in his writing to the Corinthian church and he gives them purpose. He doesn't just say, hey, here's, God, here's who God thinks you are, but here's also what he has for you to do. And so in 2 Corinthians 15, verses 18 through 20, the words will be up on the screen again. It says this. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church again. And he says, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors 
God is making his appeal through us and we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. See, the second point is that we are God's ambassadors. When we begin to understand the way that God defines us, it produces purpose, it produces mission for our lives. See, God has called us to be new creations in Christ and as a result of us being new, we can have a refreshed sense of things ahead of us. 2 Corinthians 5 says this. It says, because you've been reconciled back to Christ, it's now your role and your responsibility to reconcile people to him as well. And so what's our natural inclination to do when we receive good news? Like when something good happens to you, when you get like a promotion or a pay raise or like, I don't know, you find a penny, it's on heads, you know, it's like, well, let's go. Like, what do you want to do? You want to tell people about that. So like what? You type up a post on Facebook and you send it out to everybody you know. You put it on your Instagram story. You call a friend, you call a loved one. You tell the people who are around you regardless of whether you know them or not because you're just so excited that something amazing happened to you. Our natural response when something good happens to us is to tell others about it. You talk about it. You can't stop. You can't even hardly hold it in. I got a story to illustrate this, and it's a story of my wife who's with, with us today. And this is, I like this story. I think it's cute. Um, but I don't know what it is about. She's sitting in the front row. I don't know what it is about my wife. But like every scammer in the United States of America just targets her like hard. It's like scam calls, scam texts, scam emails. And I remember like about a month ago, uh, she's a wedding coordinator. So she was working at a wedding. She's a couple hours away and I get this text from her and it's like a photo. And then it's a, it's a little like, you know, little, little caption underneath. And she says, Michael, I can't believe that I just won this. I never win anything. This is a first, like, let's go. And so I'm like, I'm so curious. So I open my phone and I, I open up the, the, the thread and I look at the photo and it's a, it's a John Deere lawnmower that's photoshopped onto a, it's like poorly photoshopped onto a background. And the background says, congrats, Stephanie. Like they had her name in there. That's pretty cool. Congrats, Stephanie. You have been selected, listen to this, for a chance to win a John Deere mower and all you have to do is pay for shipping. What in the world was, but Stephanie was so excited. Like it dropped in her inbox. She screenshotted it. She sent it to me. She's like, Michael, I can't believe that this happened. We don't even need a mower. We live in an apartment, but let's go. Like I won. She was so happy about it. She just wanted to, to spread it around and share. And so unfortunately, like, you know, we decided that's a scam. They, they just, you know, $4.95 for a mower is a little too good to be true. But, but the point is that when something good happens to you, when something exciting happens to you, what do you do? You talk about it. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us some incredible news. It says that through Christ, you have been reconciled back to a relationship with God. Oh, and because of that, you're a new creation. Like that is amazing, encouraging, life-changing news. 
News that requires an important yet very simple response to tell others about it. See, because our lives have been changed, the only natural response for us to take should be to tell others about it as well. To help other people achieve and receive the same free gift of salvation that we have also received. And that's a reconciled relationship with God who's made you new. And not only does this passage of scripture tell us like, hey, here's what you should do, right? Like it also tells us how we should do it. Because if we are new creations and if our natural response should be to help reconcile people back to God, the question's like, how? That's really cool. Appreciate the sentiment. How do I do that? We are to be ambassadors of Christ. It's what 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 says. It says, we can do that. You can reconcile people back to God by being God's ambassador. How do we do that? Well, we can do that by being intentional about the way that we live our lives, about the way that we speak, the things that we do, the way that we manage our finances, the way, that we, the way that we interact with other people, the way that we set our goals. Everything that we do with our lives represents Christ one way or another, either positively or negatively. And being an ambassador means that at all times, we have to be a strong representation of Christ and what he's done for us. Think about it like this. I was reading an article to prepare for this message and it was, uh, it was about this war between Coca-Cola and Pepsi. I wasn't aware that it was so extreme, but Coca-Cola, I mean, for probably ever, has been the number one soft drink manufacturer in the world. Pepsi's number two, little sidekick, sorry, Pepsi. But, but here's the thing, I was reading an article and it was all these like past employees of Coke and Pepsi talking about their experiences and it was really interesting. There's like some very strict rules that these companies have put in place for their employees. So for example, like a Pepsi employee, um, they are not like, I'll say strongly discouraged. Basically they sign a contract that says they could get fired. Um, they're not allowed to like say Coca-Cola or say Coke. Um, instead, they have to refer to it as, this is good. I, I didn't even believe this when I first, I had to like vet this. They have to refer to it as the red product. Like what? I don't, okay. Uh, so Coca-Cola employees, on the other hand, um, they sign an agreement upon employment that says that they agree to not drink or indulge in Pepsi products. So no Mountain Dew, no Pepsi for them, no Dr. Pepper, like, sorry, can't do it. And, and by the way, it's not just like a slap on the wrist. It's like, hey, I just saw you like look at a Pepsi the wrong way. Get out, just you're fired, get out of here. And that is so crazy. These, Pepsi has similar rules like, that as well. But it, it's so wild to think like, why would these two companies have such strict rules in place? Like, let us live our lives, people. But here's why. And this is so important to understanding the key to being ambassadors of Christ. Because I guarantee you, if you walked into a gas station and you saw a Coke sales rep stocking the coolers full of Coke, but on his little cart, he had like a Pepsi and a little koozie, right? He was just drinking his Pepsi. I mean, you look sideways at that. 
You'd say, you're not, you're, you're, you're wearing red, but you're, you're drinking blue. Like you're, you're not supposed to do that. Why? Because it tells us something about that Coca-Cola employee. And that tells us something about Coca-Cola, right? It says, all right, clearly if you're drinking the other product, you're not bought into what you've got going on over here. Or, or your product's not good enough to like hold your attention or, or what? It's just confusing. It doesn't send a good image. We can't have both as Christ followers. Like, like we cannot still seek to live in our old lifestyle of sin. Especially after we've been made new creations through Christ. Like, like not, not only is it just counterproductive to you growing in your relationship with Jesus, but it's completely counterproductive and completely destructive to any chance you will ever have at what? Reconciling other people back to Christ. And so whether it's in your workplace or in your neighborhood or maybe like on the sidelines at your kids' sports games, at all times, we have the title of God's ambassadors. And the way that we live our lives has a direct impact on winning others over to God. Verse 20 says it clearly. Our words and our lives should be one big action, one big cry saying, come back to God. And so from reading 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20, these few verses, they hold some key truths that I just don't want you to forget this morning. We've already said both of them. It's just our two main points. It's that we are a new creation and we are God's ambassadors. But the thing is like, these aren't just like passive truths. These aren't just little things that I want you to like write in your phone and put on a notebook or like log away in your brain just to forget about. Can't do that with these. These are foundational pieces to the Christian life that we simply can't ignore. Remember in the beginning of the message, I said that, that cheese pizza is the goat. It's the greatest because it's, it's, it's the foundation of anything else that you could add to it. These two truths are foundational to our lives as Christ followers, as new creations. They give us definition. They give us purpose. They set a clear mission ahead of us. And that leads me to my third point today. And honestly, it's more of just an action step for us. It's more of an application than anything. Is that being a new creation has to change your life. And so I want to end this morning just by telling a story. So I got saved when I was in high school. Uh, if you don't even know what that means, it's like such a Christian term. Um, I, I learned who Jesus was in high school. And I learned that that in order to turn from my sin and turn from my old lifestyle, I had to give it all over to him because he had forgiven me for that. And, and shortly after, I went to a Christian summer camp. Now, I'm gonna take a sidebar. Uh, we just took 32 students from Revo to student life camp at a college campus in Wilson, North Carolina. And, and this trip was bonkers. I got no sleep, by the way. But it was extremely impactful. 
for our students' relationships with Jesus. See, on this trip, they grew closer to Jesus in personal ways. They began to put action to some of the things that they've been learning. They began to to learn what that looks like. On this trip, we had nine students give their lives to Jesus. They decided, you know what? I'm done with this old way of living. I, I need a savior. And they surrendered their lives to God. We had 11 students decide that they had, they had already experienced a relationship with Jesus, but they had not been living in such a way. And so they vowed, they promised, they committed, they planned to turn things around and come back to God. But these trips are so impactful. And gosh, almost 10 years ago, when I was on one of these trips, I had a very similar experience. See, here's the thing. I went into camp knowing that I was a new creation. Like I went into camp familiar with this passage. I knew about it. My youth pastor told me about it a couple of times. Like I I knew kind of how God defined me, but I was just so not ready to lean into it with my life. I could not let go of the old me. I was so selfish. And going into camp, I had expectations of what I wanted to get out of it. I just wanted to have a fun time with my friends. My youth pastor and God, they had other plans. See, I found out I was going to be roomed with a new kid. He'd been coming to our ministry for like a month, and I did not like him for no good reason. I thought I was better than him. He bothered me. Like, honestly, I just didn't want to be around him. I just wanted to hang with my friends all week, be room with my dudes, but I wasn't able to because I was room with the new kid. And so I get to camp. We left on like a Saturday and I was not happy. Like I was just not having it at all. I said, you know what? I'm going to do everything I can on this trip to make sure I don't have to hang out with my roommate. I was with my friends. I was ignoring him totally. I was disregarding his needs and the fact that he also probably wanted to have a good time at camp. But what started to happen at camp was God started to really get a hold of me. And he said, Michael, open up your thick skull, dude. Like, listen to me because you're a new creation and you don't just get to keep living your life the way that you always have been. You've got to let some things go. You got to understand you can't have both. And so all of a sudden, I just remember at camp, it was like night two and I'm sitting in the service and I just break down and I've got tears flowing down my face because God has just reminded me of all the things he rescued me from. The path that my life was headed down, the trajectory of things that were in front of me was not looking good at all. And I just remember that God saved me from those things. And, and I also remember just looking over at my roommate. And he also has tears on his face. And I look at him and I said, God, I know why I'm here. I know why you've brought me to camp. Like I get it now. See, the only way that I was going to be aware of what God had put right in front of me was to put away the old me, to remember who God defined me as in 2 Corinthians 5.17 and to reconcile people back to God. And through me, by, by no miracle of my own, God reconciled this young man back to himself that day. 
And so here's the thing. This messed up my trip. It messed up what I expected. Like, I didn't want this. I had to set it down. And I don't know what your lives look like in the room today. I know we've got different ages, different church experience, different spiritual backgrounds, maybe even some different beliefs. I I don't know what this room holds. We might have new believers, people who don't even know what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus, or you might have been saved for 40 to 60 years. I don't know. But I believe that this passage contains a foundational truth that we can either learn today or be refreshed by today that can just give us a little bit of new vision for our lives. See, God doesn't want you to continue living in your old ways. God wants you to know the way that he thinks about you. He wants you to know that you are a new creation. See guys, this truth, it has to mess our lives up. This has to redefine the way that we think about our our schedules and our our neat little weeks and how we plan everything out so nicely. It it has to disrupt our our plans and, and our goals and our ambitions. It can't leave us unaffected. This needs to reshape everything because you can't be a new creation and you can't be an ambassador of Christ and not change. It's foundational to who we are through Jesus. Let me pray. God, thank you so very much for this truth. And honestly, God, this is so basic There's nothing complex about this message. There's nothing overly complicated about what Paul is trying to communicate. Just the fact that you have called us new. You've eliminated the old completely. And that you've given us a mission. Our lives are not useless. Our lives are not purposeless. God, help us to lean into that. And whatever we have to do today, if it's a conversation with a, with a spouse or, or a friend or, or maybe, maybe it's just a conversation with someone about what it looks like to follow you, God. I pray that people in the room would let this truth affect them. So God, we thank you. We praise you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.